Hi there, and welcome to Vet Club. This is going to be another edition of Vet Books. Vet Books. We're on Vet Books number 16, meaning chapter 15. Uh, every time that gets me. Um, so as a reminder, if it's been a while, um, we are going chapter by chapter through Small Animal Critical Care Medicine, the second edition, edited by Deb Silverstein and Kate Hopper. And so, yeah, we are, um, we've moved into part two of this book of their like 1600 parts or part two, which is respiratory Ooh. stuff, chapter 15. And this chapter is hypoxemia. And this was written by Steve Haskins. And what's the difference between hypoxemia and hypoxia? Oh my God. That's such a good question. Like literally that's a really good question. Oh. Um, so people get this wrong a lot and they use them interchangeably and they should not. Um, so yeah, cause when I was Googling stuff, I was like oh. hypoxia. I was like, no, it says hypoxemia. Like, yeah. What is that? Those are different. Now they are related. So hypoxemia, anything with the emia suffix E M I A means in the blood. So hypoxemia, hype, hypo actually is low versus hyper is high. And then oxemia. So there's a, the O has double, double duty there. Um, so hypoxemia means low oxygen in the blood yeah. where hypoxia um, usually refers to like in the tissues. So it's not specifically referring into the blood. So it means the body doesn't have enough oxygen and there's lots of different reasons for that. But if the, the measured amount of oxygen in the blood is low, that is what hypoxemia means. Hypoxemia is expected to cause hypoxia, but not all hypoxias are caused by hypoxemia. Oh, squares and rectangles. Boom. Exactly right. So, but that was a really good question. I wasn't even thinking that I would talk about that, but I'm really glad you brought that up because that is an important distinction. It's a little bit semantic, but they, they do mean different things. And so you, you really want to use them correctly. Um, again, if you have a patient who is hypoxemic, then it's fair to assume they have some degree of hypoxia, but ruling out hypoxemia doesn't mean you've ruled out hypoxia. The classic example would be a patient in shock with poor perfusion. They have tissue hypoxia, meaning their tissues are not getting enough oxygen, but it's because the oxygen that's in the blood isn't being delivered to them. It doesn't mean the blood itself is devoid of oxygen. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Good. So hypoxemia is hypoxia in the blood. Sure. Yeah. It's fair. Just you wouldn't say that because hypoxia in the blood would be yeah, it's semantics. confusing. Yeah, that part is. But don't <laughs> say that. It's against the law. Um, the other definitions or kind of the, the thing I did want to address um, is since we're talking about oxygen, um, the important thing uh, I want, well, no, let me save it. I'm not going to say that. Suspension. Are you susp uh, under? I don't know. I'm running out of, I was all day today running out of words. Um, what is this? Drama. Yeah, it's the drama for what you're going to say. The drama. Okay, I'm going to say it now since you've got the drama music playing. Basically, just wanted to remind people that, you know, there are two reasons that you breathe. Do you remember what the two reasons you breathe for? To live. <laughs> that would be like the one reason. And Medically speaking, two, what are the two things you're trying to accomplish when you breathe? When you breathe, you're trying to get rid of carbon dioxide. Yes. And you're trying to take in oxygen. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Um... Yeah, that's the, the main thing. Um, so when we're talking about oxygenation, we're talking about 
oxygen exchange. And when we talk about ventilation, we're talking about CO2 exchange. So we're focusing on the oxygen side. Now, what we're focusing on is what's going on in the blood because it's hypoxemia. So there are two main ways that oxygen exists in the blood. It's dissolved in the plasma. So just the dissolved oxygen in the liquid part of your blood. And then there's the oxygen molecules that are oxygen molecules that are bound to hemoglobin. And that's the most important part of the oxygen in your blood is the part that's bound to hemoglobin. Um, the vast majority, like 97 plus percent of the oxygen in your blood in health is bound to hemoglobin. If you are anemic, it drops to like 93% or something. So mm -hmm. even when you don't have a lot of hemoglobin, the vast, vast majority of the oxygen in your blood is still hemoglobin bound. So that's, it's really important. Now, despite that, there are two main ways that we measure oxygen in the blood. And that is, as you might guess, how much is actually dissolved in the blood. So we can measure the partial pressure of dissolved oxygen in the liquid part of the blood. Or we can measure the oxygen saturation on your hemoglobin molecules. And the way we can do that is because we, un we know that the shape of a hemoglobin molecule changes as oxygen is more or less bound. Um, so I like to remind people from back in their chemistry days when they learned uh, about covalent bonds. And if you exchange one molecule for a different type of molecule, that the, the bond changes shape a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so the molecule can change shape a little bit. And what happens with hemoglobin is whether oxygen is bound or unbound, or if those binding sites are bound by something other than oxygen, it changes the shape of the molecule. And so deoxyhemoglobin um, takes on a shape that refracts light um, that would give you a blue coloration. So like when I look at my the veins through my skin, which is rather pale, you can see that my veins look blue. And if I were to cut myself and that blue deoxy, like deoxygenized blood, I don't know if that's a word. Um, as soon as it gets exposed to the air, those hemoglobin molecules immediately become saturated with oxygen and it turns red. So you're never going to see it on the floor blue, um, but in your veins, it can look blue. Unless you're in space. Unless, no, you'd have to, no, even in space. Why in space? There's no oxygen. Well, you'd be dead. So if you were yeah, in Yeah, you, like, you're bleeding all over the place. No, you'd be dead because you'd have you'd no, be dead. you'd be dead um, because you, you wouldn't have any oxygen. <laughs> if you were in a bubble on your head. But then, so you're saying your head is, you're getting oxygen and your body is in a vacuum is, is not. It doesn't have to be in a vacuum, just no oxygen. I still don't think that's going to go well for you. Just nitrogen. Pretty sure you're still going to die. Yeah. How do you even create that environment? Anyhow. A bubble, a bubble. Someone doesn't have a very good imagination. No. Uh, I can't imagine this at all. So the problem is as soon as, yeah. Okay, let's see. So you're bleeding in space. Or just in a non-oxygen environment. So space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've created, for some reason, you've created some torture chamber. No, any atmosphere that doesn't have plants. Let's make it a torture chamber. So you've created some, you're a, a, oh, a, like super, a master villain. You're a, like That's a what they did to Deadpool. Sure, I don't remember that. They put him in a low oxygen thing. Low oxygen is not the same as is no oxygen. Yeah, it would need to be zero. Yeah. So let, it's a zero oxygen torture chamber, but your head is in an oxygen normal 
chamber so that you don't die. But then they, they cut you and then you bleed and your blood comes out blue and you think you're hallucinating. God, that'd be but so you're cool. Not. I don't think it would. Okay. So yeah, anyhow. I'm Spock. Maybe. So at any rate, the deoxy hemoglobin, the hemoglobin that doesn't have oxygen bound is blue. And then when oxygen is bound to it, it changes the shape just enough. So now it is red. Okay. And we can use that understanding to basically shine light through your blood and the refraction of light can be measured by machines and interpreted to give you a percentage of the red blood cells that are fully saturated with oxygen. And that we call uh, the SpO2 or the pulse oximetry or, or the SAO2 if we measure it in the blood, um, but the saturation of oxygen on your hemoglobin molecules. So again, whether you're measuring that in the, the blood itself or through a pulse oximeter, which is mostly what we're going to use, um, that would be the SpO2. So yeah. Um, and now those are associated. They're going to move together. However, however, the, um, because of a curve that most, uh, most students of veterinary medicine or human medicine have probably heard of the oxyhemoglobin dissociation curve. Um, I know super fancy. Um, but basically what it's saying is that you don't have a linear correlation between the dissolved oxygen in blood and the oxygen saturation. So the percentage of hemoglobin that is fully saturated, which is good. Um, it means that your saturation of oxygen is going to, um, change very little with big changes in dissolved oxygen until it gets to a certain point and then it drops precipitously. Um, and so when you see that curve as the partial pressure of oxygen falls, again, at the, uh, the normal levels, like your, your oxygen saturation is going to be pretty constant. Um, and then all of a sudden it's going to like tank, um, as your, uh, partial pressure of oxygen drops, it goes whoosh. Then, so it's not a linear correlation, which means that in a certain range, the dissolved oxygen might be a more sensitive like way to say like changes over time, whereas your pulse ox might not change very much with uh, changes very little with big changes in dissolved oxygen partial pressure. Um, and then in other areas of the curve, the it, it may not make as big of a difference. I don't know if I explained that. Does that make sense what I said? Uh, I don't really know what you're talking about. So I guess. Can not. I show you the chart? No, I saw the chart. Oh, okay. Kinda get, I um, the point is. Yeah, I guess that's, I don't really see the point. The point is, if you um, if you look at a pulse oximetry reading and it says, hey, your oxygen saturation is 98%, you go, yeah, that's amazing. And then it drops down to 95%. That's actually a pretty big drop in oxygen. Like the patient's probably doing fine, um, but there's a big drop in the amount of um, oxygen uh, in the blood in that regard. So it becomes important, it is really so it's a pretty steady number within that top range. And then it just, it can sort of tank from there. I don't, I don't know. Um, how else to explain that other so than what type of, um, it matters which one you're measuring scores do you get? So you get like 98, you said is normal. Yeah. So anything above 95, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. Falls below 95. It's not very good. But if it, and then it gets saying, really like, bad. If your falls lower. below 95, it's going to go real fast. Well, it's not that it's changing. going to fall real fast, but like small changes are 
are representative of big actual changes in how much oxygen is like is like the magnitude of the the difference between 98% saturation and 96% is like whatever this is the same the difference between 90 and 86 or 88 is is a bigger a more significant like clinically relevant difference yeah. does that make sense yeah i guess it's uh that's kind of what i'm trying to say it kind of makes it seem like the the recording of it's not doesn't make sense like you should change that into a linear like a linear scale but i mean those are the actual measures it's a, one's a percentage of hemoglobin that that's basically what it's saying is the way that hemoglobin works in the body yeah is that it is strongly it like it really wants to bind hemoglobin but it's also relying on the rules of chemistry <laughs> um mm -hmm. and gradients and things like that so that will also matter so um the lower the the dissolved oxygen in blood the the binding frequency of those oxi oxygen molecules to hemoglobin drops a lot more i I feel like I'm really explaining this poorly. All right, let's see. What do they say in the chapter? How do they explain this? Um, I don't know. Where do they say? Uh, therefore, I don't know. There's a sigmoid curve, the oxyhemoglobin dissociation curve, several important clinical implications. Most important, the difference between normoxemia and hypoxemia is only a few saturation percentage points. That's... Is that a better way of saying what I was trying to say? Yeah, I get what you're trying to say. It just, uh, it makes the scale seem kind of. Yeah, like from a, not, what's clinically relevant, the yeah. range you care about for pulse ox is between 90 and 95. Yeah, it's Everything not, below that is really bad. Yeah, it's not really a, a score that you can tell how bad something's doing. It's just like a one or a zero. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas it. I guess yeah. it doesn't matter once you get below a certain point whether right. how bad it is. Exactly. Yeah, that that's actually the point. That below 90, it's all bad. Yeah. Like, yes, 60 is worse than 70, but like both are terrible and your patient is in really right. bad shape. Yeah. That is, yes, that's the point. So, yeah, so I explained it perfectly. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> um, okay. The other thing that they point out in, in this chapter, which I you think... You should almost change it to like instead of the number, it's just got a smiley face and a frowny face. Yeah, we could do that. Thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> well, that's harder because um, if you look at it upside down, it could be a thumbs up. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's Whereas true. the frowny face, you know. I know where the eyes are supposed to be in yeah. relation to yeah. the mouth. Okay, I see what you're saying. All right, we'll go with frowny face, smiley face. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing they make in, in the, the other point that uh, they make in this chapter, which I think is another important one and one that people get wrong a lot, is the importance of cyanosis. Do you remember what cyanosis is? No. Do you remember what cyan is? Cyan is a color blue. Yeah. And cyanosis then is? Cyanosis is? Just a blue discoloration of the patient. So if, if um, like when people say like somebody's lips are turning blue or something yeah. like that, that would be cyanosis. And oh, that's in, one of those doctor words. It is. What it specifically refers to though is remember how I said deoxyhemoglobin was blue? Mm-hmm. That's what it's referring to. There's yeah. too much of your blood is not saturated with oxygen. However... Here's the problem with that. Um, so people are like, oh, they're, that patient's nice and pink. And they, it, it, they're implying that everything is fine. Um, but cyanosis is even less sensitive to hypoxemia than a pulse. Like, um, 
Yeah, you have to be really bad to do you, blue. It has to be incredibly bad. And there's two two reasons why that would be. So in order for you to actually see the blue and like consistently, we all agree that's a blue discoloration, you have to have a certain amount of blue pigment. So you have to have a certain amount of deoxyhemoglobin. And most of the time people will say that needs to be around five grams per deciliter, which whatever the heck that means. Well, what that means, a normal patient has about 15 grams per deciliter of, that's the normal concentration of hemoglobin in your blood if you're normal and healthy, which means a third of your hemoglobin is not saturated with oxygen. And what we said before is that you should be at about 95% or better. So if a third of it has to be desaturated before we will see blue, that's gonna correspond to a pulse ox of 67. And we said before, anything below 90 is terrible, but you won't see blue until they've gone through the, the 80s and then the 70s and then in the high 60s, it's like, ooh, it's blue. Um, so that's a patient who's in a lot of trouble. The other thing is if you have an anemic patient, they might never turn blue. They might die before they actually use, like you as the just practitioner, there's, can see, there's just not enough blood that you're going to see the blue discoloration. So if you see a patient and they're not blue, that doesn't mean they're not yeah, hypoxemic. Yeah, because they're at like 10 deciliters from there, then it would yeah, have to be half. Exactly. 50%. And so, and if you're at like, you're, you're not going to survive that. So, um, so those are, um, some of the important things. So when people are like, oh yeah, yeah, that patient's nice and pink. I'm like, that's irrelevant. That doesn't tell you anything really. It's just not sensitive enough. So if they are blue, pay the frick attention to that. That's really important because that's a patient who's in trouble, but not being blue doesn't really tell you much. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. So then what they talk about in this chapter is, okay, let's say you've, you've found a patient is hypoxemic, either with a low pulse ox um, or a low dissolved oxygen in the blood. And then it's like, now how do you figure out what that's going to be? Um, and so they just kind of go through the quick versions of like, what are the broad causes? And the first one they talk about is generally pretty easy to rule out. So you have a low, um, the amount of oxygen that the patient is breathing is low. Um, and really the only times that that would happen would be if they are under anesthesia and intubated and you've somehow screwed up the circuit and you're not giving them oxygen, um, which can happen. Um, so you do, if they're under anesthesia and intubated, you want to check that if they're um, hypoxemic to make sure that, um, you know, we didn't have a valve closed off or something like that, that everything's working. And then the other one would be if you're at altitude. So the percentage of red blood or of oxygen in the air has not changed, but the partial pressure has, um, has changed, has decreased if you're at high altitudes. And so the actual, like the pressure gradient for your oxygen has changed. And so that can reduce the amount of oxygen that you actually get in, um, during a single breath. So those ones are usually pretty easy to rule out. You don't want to forget about the iatrogenic cause of, Hey, we don't have our circuit set up right. So that's important to remember. Generally though, you're going to know if you're at altitude. So, um, so those are important ones to remember. And then another one that hopefully is really relatively simple to rule in or out, which is hypoventilation. And so, as I mentioned at the beginning of, of the podcast was the difference between like, why do you breathe? You breathe to bring in oxygen and to blow off CO2. And if you're not taking enough breaths, you will not do either of those things. So if you are not able to get rid of CO2 um, and you're hypoventilating, 
And then that would probably be a good reason why you're not bringing in enough oxygen. Oh, Topher's over here cuddling with Hippo and he's being all lovey-dovey and, and Topher's got a smug look on his face because yeah. the kitten likes him but better than me. knocking the microphone away. Oh yeah, and you're hating all of this. He's getting so much loving right now. It's pretty adorable. I should actually snap a photo. I think I will. And then this, we haven't put a lot of artwork on the, uh, on the, for the podcast, so maybe we should get back to that and you could be, yeah, we'll get it. Look at him. Okay, sorry. You can't see that, so that's probably really annoying. Anyway, um, so hypoventilation would be another relatively simple thing to try to rule out is the patient just not taking enough breaths. Now, you can have combinations, so there's other things that we need to do to go through that. But venous admixture is basically um, essentially the ways that you have blood that can get into the circulation without picking up the oxygen it's supposed to. Um, and so people will call this like VQ mismatch, um, is essentially the, the, I think the way I've heard it called more often is VQ mismatch. Um, or so the, the matching between your ventilation or your breathing and your perfusion is off. So some areas are getting blood flow, but they aren't getting airflow. Other areas are getting airflow, but not getting blood flow because you need both of those to be happening at the same time in the same place in order to get the oxygen from the air you breathe to dissolve across the capillaries into the blood. And you need the CO2 that you've produced at your tissues to dissolve in the other direction and to be exhaled during a breath. So anything that kind of interferes with that process um, is going to throw these out. And so um, they talk a little bit more about the details between VQ mismatching um, and they divide it into four different causes of this. So low ventilation perfusion regions, meaning the area is getting blood flow, but it's not getting airflow. Um, you can get just collapse of the small airways. Um, so there's no ventilation, but again, blood flow is getting through. Um, if you have a diffusion problem, um, this one is a little bit different because it's not necessary. So air is getting to the alveoli, but there's some problem in the structure, like the wall of the alveoli that is preventing diffusion from happening is that normally. Like the nitrogen thing that you're talking about? Not the nitrogen thing. This would be more like a structural problem of the wall of the alveoli. Like say there was inflammation. It was like, it's not even inflammation, but like scar tissue. Um, so normally the lung is designed to favor this diffusion of, of gases in both directions. And let's say you fill that with scar tissue instead of normal healthy lung tissue. Well, maybe scar tissue isn't going to allow that diffusion to work really well. That's a really uncommon one in veterinary medicine. Because um, animals don't smoke. Mostly, yeah. <laughs> That's actually probably a big reason for it. Um, and then you can also have what are called right to left shunts, meaning blood is skipping over um, going to the lungs to pick up oxygen. It's just going right into the other side of the circulation. So normally the right side of the heart pumps blood to the lungs. It doesn't have to go very far because the lungs are conveniently located nearby. And then it comes back after picking up oxygen from the lungs and then goes to the left side of the heart, which then pumps it to the rest of the body. But if there was like a hole in say the chambers of the heart, so the blood could go directly from the right side to the left side, without going to the lungs, then that would skip over that process of picking up oxygen. And then you would have a mixture of, you know, usually it's not all the blood, but some of the blood is skipping over. And so you're going to have less oxygen in the arterial blood where it's supposed to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what happens when you get a broken heart. That's one of the ways that you get a broken heart. Yeah. So those are, those are kind of the, the big things. And then the rest of the chapter is about math. 
math, doing equations to try to quantify the severity of the hypoxemia or help figure out the cause of the and hypoxemia. You can look it up. What's that? And you can just look it yeah, up. Yeah, don't. I mean, I, I think it's a good idea to review these when you have time so that you understand how they work and when you would use them. But memorizing them is silly because you're going to walk around and have a computer in your hands. We call it our phones usually. Um, and you can just look these up. And so the um, the AA gradient is one that gets commonly referenced is when you need to do an AA gradient. And really the only time that it's relevant to do an AA gradient. And what I mean by AA gradient, so there's big A, which stands for the alveoli, the lung unit, and then little a, which stands for the arterioles or arteries. And so that's the difference between how much oxygen can we estimate is in the alveoli and how much oxygen is in the arterial blood. It's kind of dirty to do to students. It's what? It's kind of dirty to do to students. All right. Big A, little a. A, a, big a. a, little a. Do you guys, do you remember that book? Big A, little A. What begins with A? And Annie's alligator, A, A, A. Nope. You don't remember your Dr. Seuss, the alphabet book? No, I, I didn't have that one. clearly still have that memorized. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is how I learned my alphabet. This is actually um, when I was when I was a kid, before I could read, um, my dad, um, both my parents, but probably my dad a little bit more, um, used to read with us all the time and a lot of Dr. Seuss. And I had a lot of these books memorized because we read them a lot. And apparently one time I was over at my grandparents and I had the Dr. Seuss alphabet book out and I was turning the page and saying the words because I had them memorized mm -hmm. along with the pages. And my grandpa, I was probably like one or two and my grandpa thought I was reading. <laughs> He mm -hmm. was like, holy crap, Bobby can read. And I couldn't. I just had it memorized. And I was just, because it's very like. Yeah, mimicking. Um, yeah, well, I was mimicking, but also it's like very sing-songy. So it was easy to remember because, mm -hmm. you know, it all kind of rhymes and it's like got a, a rhythm to it. Um, anyway, so I still remember that. Aunt Annie's Alligators, A-A-A. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I ever said it on the show, but there's like a, a cool experiment with uh, like humans and apes. And so like that does why cool. humans are... Um, <laughs> better at mimicking so if you take a kid and you have a like a clear puzzle box okay. and an adult comes up and they do a bunch of complicated things and it opens the puzzle box mm -hmm. they'll the kid will do all the complicated things and open the puzzle box okay if you have an ape and you show it the complicated thing they'll do that first but then if there's just like a if you could just like reach in and grab it uh-huh the the ape will do just reach in and grab it Oh, okay. Or like a chimpanzee. I think they use chimpanzees would reach, reach in and grab it. Okay. Whereas the the child will always do the do mimic whatever thing. the adult did. Yeah. So no shortcuts for the the human child. Yeah. Yeah. They just they always do the mimic. Interesting. Which means if you could stick your hand in and then it gets attacked by something, that's a bad thing. Like you're learning from somebody who is older and wiser, and you should do what they do. It just or means you mimic should you be a, should you be a chimp and experiment? Interesting. Yeah. The implications of that are, are not simple. Yeah. But it's kind of cool. All right. Which is funny because when we talk about aping someone, we're talking about mimicking them. Right. But they're not <laughs> as good at it. And it turns out that, yeah, we should be like, you're humaning them. Yeah. Humaning is that? Yeah. Anyway. Um, so the AA gradient 
is um, used to help you kind of decide. Um, Sounds is, like a 12 step equation. It kind of is. Uh, but it's basically the reason that the patient has low oxygen in the blood just because they're hypoventilating or is it that and something else? That's when you do an AA gradient. And if you're like, okay, I know this patient is hypoventilating. If I were to correct that, if, if we were to correct the hypoventilation, would that cure the hypoxemia? And that, that's math you can do to sort that out. So then you can say, okay, I know right now that this animal has two problems. It's hypoventilating and it has a, an oxygenation problem. Them, or it's just the hypoventilation. And if I fix that, we're good. Um, so that's really the only time the AA gradient is useful. The other one um, that we get we can use is called the PF ratio. Um, so it's the ratio of the partial pressure of oxygen in arterial blood to the fraction of inspired oxygen. The reason that becomes important is we as doctors come through, normally the fraction of inspired oxygen is 21% because we live on earth. Um, now, if we were in your torture chamber, um, that may not be the case. Um, so in, this, in the scenario of a torture chamber or in a medical facility where you are giving extra oxygen to a patient, and if you're giving a higher than normal fraction of inspired oxygen, then you can use that to that ratio to say, how is this patient doing? Like, is it, does it have an appropriate amount of oxygen in the blood for the amount of oxygen we are providing it, if that makes sense? Um, so those are some of the equations. The other one is the um, oxygen content. And this is not an equation you need to do clinically, but it's useful for explaining the concept that I described at the beginning, which is that 97 plus percent of your blood, of the oxygen in your blood is bound by hemoglobin. And that's what the oxygen content uh, calculation is. And so it's basically just describing the, the very, very, so the fraction of oxygen in your blood that is dissolved uh, is dissolved in the blood you multiply that by a factor of 0.003 and then the fraction of blood that is bound by hemoglobin you multiply by the amount of hemoglobin and uh, times 1.34 so it's a factor of 1.34 versus 0.003 so that kind of tells you right there the hemoglobin is more important, just mathematically, even without plugging in the other numbers. So, so what is hemoglobin bonded to when it doesn't have oxygen? CO2. CO2. So on the way back, yeah, CO2 goes and it's like, hey, there's an open seat. Cool. But it's the CO2 should really only go in one direction and the oxygen mm -hmm. really should mostly just go in the other direction. Now, other bad things can bind to that spot like cyanide or carbon monoxide, um, but the things that are supposed to bind. So... In the arterial blood, it should mostly be oxygen. And in the venous blood, it's going to be mostly CO2. Mm -hmm. Ta-da. Isn't that cool? Um, I think that, what's up, bud? Uh, I think that's the, that's it. That's Is most it? of the chapter. Yeah. Ready it's a good chapter. Game. A lot of stuff. Yeah. You've apparently, Topher's come up with a new game. I don't know what this game is going to be. It's pop quiz. I can't hear it. My stuff went out. Can you hear anything? No, I can't hear anything. Are you uh, hearing it? Yeah, I hear it just fine. Oh, okay. Can you hear me? Only because you're sitting across from me. Oh. My, I, I just ordered new headphones. Oh, okay. We just play it again. Play it again. Headphones too. <laughs> Pop quiz. I did hear it. It's a. Did you hear that? Yeah, but you do that with your face. I mean, what? You say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> All right. Pop quiz. Pop quiz. Okay, I just thought of speed. Did you think of speed? No. Oh, because he swears in that one. I didn't swear, though. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. What's my right. pop quiz? Okay. So Do I have to close the book for this? Yeah, you should close the Do book. Do you need it so you can... No, I got, you have the I got everything on my phone. Whoo, no pressure here. All right. All right. So, what is 
normal partial oxygen pressure at sea level in millimeters mercury. Wait, wait, where? In the in the atmosphere? At sea level. 760. No. That's that. Oh, Atmospheric so- pressure. Oh, okay, wait, wait, wait. Start over. What are you asking? What is normal partial oxygen pressure at sea level? In, in the middle. air? Yeah, sure. It's the, it's the same everywhere. What do you mean it's the same everywhere? I don't understand this question. I guess I'm done. It's in the book. They take the nor- the partial pressure. Which should it be? 100. Yay. Okay. I think, Wait. okay. I don't know if that's what it is in the air. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Partial pressure. That's what it's supposed to be in the blood. The same. Oh, okay. All right. Well, it's supposed to be 100 in the blood. Yeah, because so. you can do a partial pressure of anything. You can do a partial pressure of your chair. I mean, maybe you can. I yeah. can't. Okay, a hundred. Do I get half credit for that one? No, you got it right. Oh, okay, <laughs> on the second try. Go. That was a weird question. Okay. Oof, All right. This is tough. Now we got name the mechanism of Venus admixture. Admixture from the cause, and now I'm going to read you the cause, and you can ask for more causes. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay, the me- you you're gonna ask me for the mechanism. Yeah, I want to know the Mexican, or <laughs> <laughs> the mechanism, <laughs> and I'm gonna read the cause off one by one, and uh, okay, you can ask for another one. Okay, I'll give you another cause. Okay. All right. I think I understand what we're doing. Severe to very severe diffuse lung disease. That that's going to be Venus admixture. Usually, uh, is that what you want? No, I want to know the mechanism of the mechanism. Yeah. So that's going to be uh, low VQ mismatch. No. What are you looking for? That's moderate to severe. We're looking severe to very oh. severe. Oh. Okay. Is that going to be right to left shunt then? No, that's right to left PDA. Yeah, PDA that's a shunt. Too. That's a shunt. A right left PDA is a nope. shunt. There yes, it is. There's two left. Okay. Okay. So this is based on severity is what you're saying. This is based on this what the table, what the table the said. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go ahead. No, that, that's all it actually. Oh, I guess. Wait, what? The other edemia, <laughs> pneumonia, hemorrhage, which was also for the. Those are all just causes of lung disease. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hang on. Let me go back and look at this chart. What are they trying to say here? It's the second one. The Atella. Atelectasis? Yeah. That's what you were supposed to get, but you didn't get it. Oh. Wait, what? Where? Table. Which table? Mechanisms of Venus admixture, causes, and notes. Wow. This is all very vague. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> that's probably what you say when you took the test and you didn't what? get the answer right either. Atelectasis, severe to very severe diffuse lung disease. That doesn't even make sense. Yep, too bad. Okay. All right, close the book again. We see atelectasis all the time, and it's mild. (laughs) All the time, mild. Okay. All right. (laughs) So now you have to name the cause of hypoxemia from the treatment you would give. Okay. This one will go better with uh, one by one. I hope so. Well, I don't know if you'll get it better. Well, I don't know either. All right. (laughs) Your first treatment, and remember, you can ask for more. Okay. Get back to my noises. Yeah, maybe that will help if I get all of them and then I can 
sort it out? Is oxygen supplementation. Okay. Can you, so you, if I ask for more, you can give me the other ones and yeah, then I can, I can max? Okay. I'm just going to go one by one. Because that would solve a lot of them, but yeah. You want another one? Yeah, give me another one. Positive pressure ventilation. Oh my goodness. Okay. So that would also fix a lot of them. <laughs> so any lung These are disease. primary physiological causes of hypoxemia. So VQ mismatch would be helped by both of those. So uh, you can give oxygen supplementation for all sorts of VQ mismatch causes. I still have more causes. treatments. Okay, let's hear them. Fix the shunt. Is that one of them? Close the PDA. Remove slash bypass obstruction. Okay, so that's um, that's going to be a, a I get well. What kind of obstruction? A venous, like a vascular obstruction, or an airway obstruction? Either way, that's going to be a like a zero VQ VQ complete absence. All right, I'm going to give you another one. <laughs> Decompress <laughs> abdomen. Decompress the abdomen. Yeah. What on earth? That's going to be hypoventilation, maybe. Is that what they're saying there? That's part of the word. Okay. There's another word to it. Another. I don't understand what you're asking. <laughs> this is a weird pop quiz. I'm going to complain to the professor. I'm going to need some points back for these questions. It's directly from the table in the book. Yeah, but chapter. you're asking me in a way that it doesn't That's make sense. Three pages long. And it's also like and not then, clear. Okay. These aren't one-to-one -one is the problem. There's not a single right answer for a lot of these. All right. But keep going. Okay. I got hypoventilation. Yeah. What was the other part of it that you're supposed to say? Global. Oh, God. You're a butt. I don't know. I don't know what any of this stuff global. means. Global. Everybody in there the whole world. There were only two world. in the table. There was low inspired oxygen and global hypoventilation. You keep on talking about a bunch of weird stuff. We talked about... Mm, you're asking this question in a weird way. Nah. It's I need directly from teacher. the table. I need a new teacher. I need a new student. <laughs> Here's one that you should be able to get. It's not in the chapter at all. Okay, that sounds better. Alveolus. Alveolus? It. Yeah. Is Latin for? Air sac? Sac? Bubble? Balloon? Circle? Sphere? None of those? Do I keep guessing until I get it right? Bubble? Small cavity. Small cavity? Yeah. Hmm. You were close with bubble. No, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, small cavity. Small cavity. Cavern, but small. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. That was a good one. I thought you might have known that one. No, I didn't know that one. My, I have to brush up on my Latin. Okay, I, I need to think, go back and look at these tables. I think you to got Try one. to figure out what you were trying yeah, to Yeah, you should ask. check these tables out. Because I'm not sure I was sure literally reading trying. one part of the table. Right, so but that like, you, you want me to fill in the blanks of a table, but it wasn't clear... Like, okay, so... Yeah, describe these tables. So table 15-2 was the second questions you were asking. The primary physiologic causes of hypoxemia. So it says, what are the causes? And then it's like recognition and examples. And then the treatment. But the treatment is like oxygen supplementation for yeah. both of them. Yeah, so that's really why I was like, anything. Well, yeah, that's but I was like, <laughs> I didn't even know what the table was saying. What do you, how do you, um, what I do read you, the top of the table. What can you use to treat with oxygen supplementation? It was like all sorts of things. And I said that I said like pneumonia. Yeah. Yeah. All, I got that one. Right. I get no. credit for that. And then the Venus table 15, three was, I think where your first questions were coming from 
which was the mechanisms of venous admixture. And then it, so it would list the mechanism and then it would say, what are the causes? But then it says moderate to severe for all of them, moderate to severe, moderate to severe, and then severe to very severe, which doesn't even make sense. Um, also, and I disagree with that one. Table 15.3, it says atelectasis is the mechanism of venous admixture. And that's causes are severe to very severe diffuse lung disease. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a, a weird way of describing this. It also says this is common, not responsive to oxygen, but responsive to positive pressure ventilation. And I would say severe to very severe diffuse lung disease. I, I wouldn't call that atelectasis. I don't know. Disagree. That's okay. I failed that pop quiz. Yeah. I didn't I didn't memorize the tables appropriately. You get the first one right after some teeth pulling. What was the first one again? The one is the partial pressure of oxygen at sea level. Oh, yeah. I did need some some teeth pulling there. Yeah. Like what? Nobody's ever asked. So I guess I didn't really think about the partial pressure of oxygen in the atmosphere was 100. I knew what it was in the blood. If you'd asked me what it was in the blood specifically, I would have gotten that. Yeah. But you didn't ask that. You were just like everywhere. It's what it says. It's direct it line that? from the chapter. I didn't memorize every word in the chat. Where does it say that? It's like one of the first pages, I think. Huh. I don't know. I think you made it up. Yeah, probably. I'm pretty did. sure it's not real. Um, the good news is you can become a good a good doctor without knowing that. <laughs> I think that's what we've learned. <laughs> There's use a lot you cannot know. You can still be a good doctor. Twenty minutes talking about a chapter that she has no idea about. That's, I think that's a bit unfair. You spent 30 minutes talking about it, so I gave you the 10 minutes to talk about it. So, wow, are you encouraging people not to listen to the podcast? It kind of sounds like you are. You guys should probably find a better podcast to listen to because apparently I don't know what I'm talking about. I think that's why people like it because they're like, wow, I feel really smart after yeah. listening to this. Uh, cool. Well, thanks for playing. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to me sound dumb. Uh, thanks, Topher, for that one. Yeah. The next chapter, I thought you would get all of these easy. Yeah. That you, was wrong. It was the way you worded the questions. I'm going to have to work with you on how to write good test questions. So next um, next exam slash chapter is going to be chapter 16, hypoventilation. Uh, I will try to study harder for this one and be able to answer Yeah, we'll do something other than the pop quiz. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we could do the backwards, backwards game or a spelling bee again. All right. We'll, uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye.